Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about save or die mechanics. Okay, so the idea for today's episode came from one of DBJ's live streams that I was watching today. If you want to get some great RPG ideas, DBJ does live streams pretty much every day, and I'll put a link down to the episode that I'm talking about in the description. So, first of all, what do we mean by save or die mechanics? Well, to my mind, it's a mechanic that either goes around or ignores the normal sort of hit point or wounding mechanics of your game essentially you get one roll if you fail it you're dead Mm -hmm. that's it so where do we find save or die mechanics i'm mainly going to be referring to sort of dnd-esque games in this well i'm most often aware of these mechanics when it comes to traps or i'm sure they do appear elsewhere for example you know there's like the medusa's gaze attack which petrifies you you get a save and effectively you're dead poisons yeah exactly and like i say traps do tend to involve poisons and to give a good example of that um in old school essentials which is my osr game of choice there's a section on designing a dungeon that gives you some useful like tables to randomly sort of populate your dungeons and determine the trappings when we get to traps on the example treasure traps table one of them is the following sprung needle a needle coated with poison jabs out save versus poison or die Mm -hmm. now in old school essentials traps only have a two in six chance of triggering and you get the save so it's not quite as cut and dry as it seems plus we know astute players are probably going to check for traps and try and disarm them however if you're unlucky within a couple of dice rolls you could be dead Mm -hmm. now that's not so like lose some hit points lose a level or you're debilitated you're brown bread and unless your game has some sort of accessible resurrection style magic you're pretty much gonna stay that way so have we got any initial thoughts on save or die mechanics it's not something i use at all as far as i can think unless i've specifically told the player characters if you do that you're going to have to make some sort of save versus death yeah i think for myself i mean i'm a little bit conflicted about it to be honest um I get that they're supposed to emphasise, you know, it's like adventuring, particularly in like old school D&D, which is where you find a lot of these. It's brutal. It could be unpleasant. Most heroes don't make it to high level. That's why you've only got a few high level heroes. I think the reason I don't tend to use them is because I don't really like those sorts of throwaway characters. And you do need to have a lot of throwaway characters for a game with a lot of save or die mechanics yeah to actually run as a game you you cannot get attached to your characters yeah i mean i I think for me as well one of the one of the sort and i'm going to present like downsides and upsides to it one of the things for me is that i understand why they might be sort of part of old school games and they're part of that old school vibe but to me it's just not a very interesting death now don't get me wrong I get that all deaths aren't going to be like glorious last battles against overwhelming gods, like falling beneath a hundred orc blades as you're like screaming your defiance at the Dark Lord or whatever. But just like a roll or two and like, sorry, the dark's poisoned you, your dad roll another character Mm -hmm. isn't particularly interesting. 
also i can appreciate that you know in games where resurrection magic's maybe a bit more available the edge gets taken off them a little so yeah you get killed it might cost you a load or you have to do a quest or whatever but you get the person resurrected or reincarnated but since i don't use those magics in my game like in the games i run when you're dead you're dead that's mm. it i'm probably a little more hesitant when it comes to save or die mechanics because that's literally it well yeah and i expect that that's part of why you don't use the save or die yeah. because you don't like the resurrection magic yeah because uh, that's an out for too many other things as well yes it is yeah Okay, so let's have a quick look at the potential like good points of save or die mechanics. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we, we've touched on it a little bit, but I'm going to throw in there that it reinforces this like brutish and often unfair lifestyle that adventurers subject themselves to in return for that promise of wealth, power, or whatever motivates them to become an adventurer. And as we said earlier, there's a reason there's not like a million like level twenty wizards knocking around in like most campaign worlds, except for the Forgotten Realms. And I think part of the reason for that is being an adventurer, that's a dangerous thing. So whilst there's probably loads of level one adventurers, I think there's probably maybe, and I'm just pulling figures out of my backside here, probably maybe half of them get to level two, then half of them get to level three, until you get to the higher levels and there's only like one or two people who make it to those higher levels. So I think it reinforces that, and it makes sense within the sort of like the metrics for the certainly for a D and D style world. I think it also lets your players know that even if your character's like a Billy badass with like hundreds of hit points, there are some attacks, poisons, and traps that are just going to drop you regardless of that. So you still have to be a little bit careful when you go into a dungeon, rather than just like swaggering in with all your million hit points, securing the knowledge that you can probably survive whatever's thrown at you at least long enough to get out of the dungeon. And hopefully, it'll teach players not to get too precious about their individual characters, since they know they could open a trap chest and, boom, that could be it. Now, whether this is a good or a bad thing, as we were mm -hmm. talking about earlier, that depends on your group and the type of game you're playing. And it, it can even vary within the same group, depending on the game. Like, if I'm running a... If I'm in like a, a mega dungeon, sort of old school dungeon crawl, you expect people are going to be dying left, right, and centre in a dungeon. Whereas a more sort of, perhaps, I'm not really keen on this term, but like a more sort of story led game, you might have more invested in the characters, so you might want less of the instant death. I know you said you don't really tend to use them because you well, don't like these disposable characters. It's sort of acknowledged in the games that I run that no character is going to die unless the player knows about it in advance Yeah. Um, and usually unless the player has requested it characters just don't die in my games it's very rare that I'll have a reason for a character to get killed unless they've walked into a situation and again I would say to them, oh, if you do that, if you open that airlock while you're standing inside it without a spacesuit, you're not going to live for very long. Mm -hmm. You're going to get this mechanic and then you'll be dead. And people very rarely go for that. But if you were about to open the doors on an airlock, it would go through your mind the fact that you're about to die. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah... Now, before we get people being up in arms, being like, Oh, how can you have death in your game? 
I will point out that Hannah runs games based on Star Trek. And as Absolutely. we Absolutely. And there are red shirt characters in these games that are completely fair game to die at any moment. And this has led to quite a lot of sort of interesting character development and stuff. But we also have like the main crew are desperately trying to save the red shirts all the time, which I find quite funny. <laughs> but but yeah, as we've said, like, yeah. when you see like the but, source material, and la- apart from like a very sort of like few sort of plot specific incidences where it's very important, mm-hmm. you don't tend to have the main characters die. It's always like Ensign gonna bite it or like uh, uh, Ensign soon dare do like mm-hmm. just coming in the red shirts and when the Klingons come in and fire off a random f- random disruptor, it's like oh no, the random Ensign we never knew existed before now has been killed. So I think that's very thematically appropriate for that sort of game. Would I go for that sort of approach with like an old school D and D game? Absolutely not. No, de- de- definitely not. And I think one of the things to bear in mind when we're talking all about this is that all of this is related to the sort of game you're running and the sort of mm-hmm. um, the milieu that you're running it in. So, what's appropriate for a story led Star Trek game isn't going to be the same as what's appropriate for like an old school <laughs> D&D game by any means. And we're sort of coming at it from slightly different angles because I tend to run the sort of old school D&D style game, Hannah runs the more story led Trek games. But even when I do run D&D, it's sort of recognised by the group that I am not going to do something that is going to insta-kill your character. Yeah. Because... I, as a GM, just don't find that kind of story interesting. If there's something that's going to insta-kill someone, it's going to get one of the NPCs, and it's going to be there for a story point, even if it's just killing off one of your hirelings to remind you that, yeah, this is a very, very dangerous dungeon, and if you go into a combat, if you spring a trap that I've got there, then your character might die but I wouldn't just insta-kill out of nowhere with a trap or something a main character, a player character rather. Yeah and I think you make a very important point there and it's basically the fact that like, let's face it D&D so as it is is fairly sort of generic and I don't mean that in a bad way, I mean that you can run a lot of different types of fantasy mm-hmm. ostensibly using the same rules so in this case, I prefer like the slightly grimmer, almost like Warhammer <laughs> fantasy roleplay style sort of D and D. You know, everything's a bit grimy and like horrible. Whereas Hannah prefers like the slightly higher fantasy sort of stuff. Well, it, if I'm running games, it's going to be one of three things. It's going to be either a family story that's all sort of human in- interest, um, civil rights sort of themes. It's going to be a big ethical dilemma about whether or not two groups should go to war or should do whatever horrible thing that's going on in the real world that stresses me out. Or it's going to be a creepy horror dungeon crawl type scenario. And if it's the creepy horror dungeon crawl type scenario the players are going to know that within the first five minutes of the game and they're going to know that the rules are slightly different to when it's a highbrow yeah. sort of drama compared to something that's supposed to be scary and full of 
horrible things that are going to kill you. Whereas most of my games are like, the world's gone to <laughs> darkness is rising. What you got to do about it, sucker? And obviously that's a very broad sort of stroke sort of things so we all try and like vary it a bit. But those are our sort of like key things we do. So even within D&D, we're both running D&D, we have very different approaches to it. And that reflects mm-hmm. how more or less likely you're going to use these things. Now... When it comes to, I think the, the final thing I'll say for like good points when it comes to like save or die mechanics is that it does encourage player character, sorry, players to search for traps and to check objects mm-hmm. before just opening there. Now, and I'm not saying either approach is necessarily better than the other; they're just different. But if you're playing in a game where you know that like you're not really going to die like instantly. You, you can, like, flip open treasure chests left, right, and centre. That's fine. At worst, you're going to be like, oh, I've taken some, like, some weird curse effect or I've taken some hit points of damage or whatever. Whereas if you're playing a game where you're, like, each treasure chest you open, you're like, oh, this, this could be, like, the last thing I do with this character. You're going to have a very different approach to opening that. You're going to be mm-hmm. tapping it with your 10-foot pole. You're going to be getting the dwarf in to, like, check the masonry. You're going to be doing whatever. Whereas... If you're a bit more, you're going to be a bit more laissez-faire with it. If you know you can get away with it, and I think this is where my use of these mechanics comes in because I have no interest in faffing about opening treasure chests. I'll tell you what you. I'm all about that treasure chest life. I, I I don't need or want to go through every detail of every coin in the dungeon or every step of every room in the dungeon. I want to do the story. Whereas I know that, like, if you play it more as a board game in my head, uh, or a war game where it's all about specific movements in the dungeon, who's in what room, how far away people are from stuff, if that's your thing and you enjoy doing it, go for it. And these save or die mechanics can make that sort of game really exciting, but it's just not how I tend to do games. Yeah, like we said, it's like a matter yeah. of like expectations and the sort of game you're running. Okay, so let's move on to potential like downsides or bad points to save or die mechanics. So I'm going to throw one into the ring, and I'm going to say, when it comes down to it, a couple of bad rolls can finish like a player character of almost any level. So whatever story, whatever interesting mm-hmm. things were going on with that character, they just come to an end. Mm-hmm. And if it's like a long-running PC the player might have got pretty attached to them and such just like a quick like you're dead that could be pretty jarring in terms of like the progression of the actual session now if this happens at the start of a session or midway through the player's either got to gen up another pc and you've got to find a way to bring them in during the session or they're potentially going to be sitting out the rest of the session that's assuming they're even ready to like jump back in because like i say it can be quite jarring if it's a pc you've been playing like in real life for like three or four years it might you might need like to take a little moment and have a think you might not even consider oh, what i'm going to play next you might have to think about that now there are of course ways around this you know like or interim solutions you know you could have a player take on the role of a henchman or a hireling until the end of the session then you can have a discussion about what they're going to play and bring them in the next session. Um, but like I say, depending on how on the player and how attached they were, they might need a bit of time before they actually are ready to gen up a new character and take on a new role within the game. Um, the, I find this particularly exaggerated if it takes place at the start of a combat. Now, as we know, D&D combats can run long. Mm-hmm. And if you get taken out at the start of a combat 
you might just be sat there twiddling your thumbs for like half an hour, an hour, depending on how big the combat is, before you can even start to think about getting back into the game. Mm-hmm. Now, also, because save or die mechanics pretty much bypass the normal hit points, armor class, sort of style system of damage, if you're playing like a version of D&D like 3.5 or like Pathfinder, where, you know, character optimization is more of a thing, then two regular use of save or die mechanics can make the effort you put into like making sure you've got a high hit point character or a high AC character feel just a bit pointless because that whole system of rules has just been ignored. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this seems to be about finding a balance for when to yeah. use these yeah. things. And as I say, it's the sort of thing that I would allow if the story sort of required it, but I wouldn't actively put into a game unless a player sort of got themselves in there or I'd given them a warning. Yeah, I mean, but then if you start your game using these sorts of mechanics early on and you make it clear that there's going to be a lot of character death in your game when you invite people into the game, go for it. Because I can see how having a lot of high character turnover yeah. makes the ones that do survive feel even like tougher for having survived all this. Yeah. And also means that you're focusing on world building rather than character building, if you get what yes. I mean. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, I think, as you say, it's a matter of viewpoint and a matter of balance. So, I mean, looking at what we were talking about where it potentially like wastes the character optimization, that could be a good or a mm-hmm. bad thing. Now, it could be good because it might teach a player like not to just like stack all their eggs in one basket and mm-hmm. rely on, like, oh, I've got the world's best AC, so I'm invincible. But... Again, it depends on the type of game you're running and your group, as you were saying. And it strikes me that these are the sort of mechanics that lead to a lot of arguments when people feel like the GM's running the game as if it was GM versus player. And that's not necessarily what is happening, but you can't help but feel when like four or five characters have got killed by random traps or... whatever with save or die mechanics that maybe the gm's just having fun killing characters i mean i think for me as well i mean my my main sort of gripe with this sort of type of mechanic and i'm not saying i don't use them because i do and we'll talk about how i use them in a little bit the my main gripe with them is like because it comes down to just like a single or a couple of rolls beyond not opening the chest in the first place or being a bit careful once you've made that decision and the trap's been triggered, you then have no say in it. It's just down to like luck, basically. Which, yeah, certain people like that. It's in the lap of the gods, so that's absolutely fine. But for me, it's like uh, it, in my old school essentials campaign where we where um, Arthur his his character got killed by a roper because that was like a whole combat and an encounter, and eventually they ended up bugging out after his character died. They could have chosen to withdraw at any time. Granted, yeah, okay, a couple of them were like wrapped up in tentacles that had to fight their way out and stuff like that. But it wasn't just a case of like the rope has got its tentacles on you, you're insta-dead. They had they saw they were in danger, they had stuff they could do, and they could try and think their way out of it or fight their way out of it. And that made an interesting scene. Whereas if it had just been a case of tentacles got you, you're dead, that scenario would have been both far more lethal and also less interesting. Mm. There's something that occurs to me as you were saying that. Yeah. If you've got these mechanics in your game you are also giving the players access to these mechanics 
So, because it doesn't have to be a trap. It can be an assassin. It can be yeah, a poison poisoning your food. Yeah. It can be a snake biting you as you're walking through a garden. Yeah, um, it could be all manner of different things that lead to a save or die. It could be a meteorite dropping out of the sky. <laughs> but once it's there in the game, the players then have the chance to use it against their enemies. Oh, yeah, because you can bet so, if uh, there's a poison, the first thing the players will do is, like, can we harvest that poison? Absolutely. So, again, it gives you the chance to take out an enemy that's vastly superior to you in many other ways by just forcing them into a save-or-die mechanic. Yeah. Of whatever type you like. Um, you could push them off a cliff, you could send an assassin after them with a poison crossbow yeah i think i think you're absolutely right anything the npcs can get the players mm-hmm. will try and get their hands on and to, to me that doesn't bother me too much because i think it's worse for the players because let, let's face it if, mm-hmm. if you kill one of my let's say we've got some like mad like duke who's like one of the main antagonists in my game mm-hmm. if i i've got a couple of options you you've got your ultimate poison you stab this duke if i was a save boom he's dead I'm not going to run out of NPCs as a, as a GM, and I've got, if I want to, ca- I've got a couple of choices. Then I can either be like, "All right, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll eject that story. The Duke's plan falls apart. He's no longer there. He's dead, and I can move on. There's still stuff going on in the world. It's not the end of the game. Or if I really want that plan to carry on, I'll be like, "Why well, he's got a second in command who just like takes over the reins of power?" And like, okay, yeah, maybe you've set them back a bit, but it doesn't completely stop the plan. So there's ways a GM can sort of work through that and it's not a problem. Whereas as a player, you you have the one player character and once they're dead, you've got to start again with an entirely new player character. You can't just like pick up where your old character left off normally. So I think it's more of a thing for them. So let's move on to how we use save or die mechanics. Now, if I was going to give a glib answer, I'd say carefully, that's how I use them. But in all seriousness, I do use save or die mechanics, as we said earlier, because I run old school games, and in my opinion, the knowledge that you could die from like a poison dart or anything like that, that's part of that old school vibe. However, I don't use them often, and I certainly don't use them all the time. Partly because I don't want to be losing like a dozen or so characters each session. Also, because it doesn't make a lot of internal sense, as far as I'm concerned, in a campaign world. I mean, to use the dart trap as an example... Unless you're planning on never going back to your treasure chest, are you really going to risk putting a dart trap on it that's so lethal that, like, if you come back a few years later and you forgot the precise method for unlocking it, or you happen to be a bit clumsy that day, it might stab you and insta-kill you? Are you really going to risk that? Or are you just going to put a better padlock on it? Or are you going to put a puzzle lock on it? Because, you know, wizards love them puzzle (laughs) locks. (laughs) Now, with monsters that have, like, a save or die attack, like a Medusa, like, you look at it, petrified and turned to stone... If there were too many of them, they would have depopulated vast swathes of your campaign world mm-hmm. because they'd have just been roaming around, like killing stuff left, right, and centre with the greatest ease. I mean, if you think these save or die attacks can just like take down a lot of an adventurer, what chances old like Farmer Giles got, like in his cornfields or whatever? Mm-hmm. None. That's what chances got. And since your campaign world hasn't been like depopulated to that vast amount, it would stand to reason to me that like monsters with that level of attack are pretty rare or they're like confined to a small area mm-hmm. i mean so take take like the classic sort of myth of like um the medusa you know when like perseus goes to fight medusa and like he confronts her in a lair and the statues spread about all the people have come to defeat her now 
if you think about it, unless Medusa was tied to that lair for some reason, why aren't there like vast swathes of Greece where there's like no like living people? There's just statues everywhere. It does, doesn't make a great deal of sense. So I try and keep that that sort of like creature on the down low. Another thing I tend to do is I warn the players if there's a potential for save or die in a session. And now I, I know I'm risking my sort of OSR card there, and I know some people are going to be up in arms saying, "Oh, dude, that that's weak. Surely the characters wouldn't know, isn't that a bit meta?" And you know what? Yeah, it is. But so what? If it results in a more satisfactory experience for myself and the players. I don't mind that and it also sets expectations accordingly yeah if i say to them at the start oh there's a potential for save or die in this session someone just like blunders straight in flips that treasure chest open in goes the dart i'm like sorry you failed to save your dad they can't come back and be like oh what what i didn't know what was going on so i'll be like do you remember at the start of the session when i said like potential for save or die <laughs> and, and i'm covered that's grand and to be fair, like I say, I don't mind getting a bit meta if it means we all have a better game. Because that's what we're there for at the end of the day. We're all there to have fun. And the the last thing I'll say, and the way I tend to use them, is having a system in place to deal with any sudden character deaths that do occur. Which I think is very important. Now, in my online game, we have a scheduled break. So normally about halfway through, where we can get drinks, user facilities, etc. It normally lasts from like 10 to 15 minutes. If we've got a character death in the first half of the session, I wrap up the combat or the immediate situation that's going on, and then I pull the break forward. Everyone else can go off, have a drink, whatever. I then stay on the computer during that break, have a chat with the person who's like lost their character, make sure they're all right and they're ready to gen a new character, chat with them about what ideas they've got. We've then got 15 minutes to gen up a new character and gen up an old school character doesn't take very long roll your attributes pick a class happy days so if they're ready to gen a new character i can assist them during the break we can talk about how to get them into the game as quickly as possible as i said we had this in a recent game where um, our fed's character brother lomas was killed by a roper we got to the end of that combat they bugged out we pulled the break forward everyone else went and got a break nice little break after like a sort of tense combat I had a bit of a chat with Arthur, he gemmed up a new character, a barbarian, we were like, right, okay, well, he could fit in the background in this way, How could? where are the player characters heading next, are they heading back to the home base, oh yeah, they met some bandits, and they said, oh, if you ever need a place to, like, come and stay, you can come to, like, our village, because they got on with them well, and I was like, oh, maybe your character was one of them bandits, and he was like, oh yeah, and we were, like, did a little bit, just a tiny little bit of background for him, we cut to the player characters being back at home, his character like arriving at the village, you know, wanting to take more than this offer, didn't want to be down with the bandit life anymore. Not the most realistic thing ever, but it meant we got him back into the game quickly. We cracked on with the game. Happy days. And it also, that break, gave me an opportunity to like set up a character sheet on the VTT I was using, throw a quick token together, so we could literally like bounce him straight into the game and we could carry on. So, have you got anything else you'd like to say about save or die mechanics? Not really, just, as you say, use with caution. Yeah, I think the thing that will be the, the main thing to take away from the episode, <laughs> um, the, the suitability of save or die mechanics depends on the type of game you're running and the sort of expectations mm-hmm. of yourself and your players. They're not necessarily bad, but they suit certain games more than others and if you are going to use them just use them with a little bit of a light touch and don't be too heavy-handed with them and have a sort of half an idea in your head as to like if someone does like get insta killed what are you going to do afterwards to get them back in the game so they're not just sat there bored twiddling their thumbs and you won't go far wrong really 
So, we hope you've enjoyed that episode on Save or Die Mechanics. Thanks very much to DBJ and his live stream for inspiring this. Again, there'll be a link to the video in the description below. If you want to get in touch with us, maybe tell us about your favourite Save or Die incident or give us some advice about how you use them in your game, then you can get in touch with us by leaving us a voicemail using the SpeakPipe website, link in the description below. Or if you're having trouble with that, we still have our old Anchor account available, which you can use to leave us a voicemail. Again, link in the description below. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and whatever you're playing, have fun. And don't forget to check those chests. Bye.